you can hear me, you've chosen deities, Scott and Elton, to hold your hand through the apotheosis of a bombast. I'm Bertie72, and I love a bit of it. Hi, this is Ross from the Creeper of Armstrong podcast. You're listening to the Apotheosis of a Bombast. I'm an explorer. Hello everyone and welcome to an apotheosis of a bombast episode number 73 nearly said 72 then 73 uh, I'm your wonderful host ultimate manus once again I'm off my face on caffeine at the moment so I might have to rush off in a minute I don't know and <laughs> joining me is Scott Copperman all the way over in America hello Hello, I'm your other wonderful host, but I'm I'm not very uh, up on caffeine. I have drank about three one-liter bottles of zero-calorie sparkling water, and I have that little bit of sloshy feeling going on. Ew, sparkling water's rubbish. It's uh, it, it tastes more like soda than it than seltzer, but yeah, it's my wife's on a no-soda kick, so this was her substitute. And, time to go to the grocery store so i'm I'm raiding the cabinets for whatever i can find uh (laughs) cupboards are bare at the moment yeah i'm i'm off my face on caffeine in the moment i've been drinking tea like no tomorrow since i got home and i've just changed my tea as well i I don't know if you i'm english so i drink tea and i've just become fed up with a, a brand called tetley i don't know if you've ever heard of it or not i know of tetley yeah i've seen it i'm just so bored of it so I've changed to uh, Redbush at the moment so I'm trying that out and I think I might try a couple others out after that and see how we go but at the moment I'm buzzing and if I run off it's probably for the loo because I'm full up with tea anyway and I've got a, a bladder the size of a walnut but no I'm enjoying it I can't see how you can drink sparkling water though that's horrible stuff I don't know it's kiwi strawberry that makes it a bit better <laughs> <laughs> is it the clear stuff with just the flavour added to it? So yeah, it looks it's like just, water. It's just, uh, yeah, flavoured water, basically. Oh. It's like uh, Kool-Aid, but clear. I, I think I'd be more... I think, I, yeah, I think I'd be more likely to drink it if it was actually coloured than the actual clear stuff. Yeah, did you ever have um, the clear colas? There was a brief time they were making clear Pepsi. Yeah, we had it, uh, Tab Cola over here, and it was. Br- I used to love that stuff. But that that wasn't clear for you, was it? Tab Tab Cola was uh, in a little pink can, and it was it was the usual brown color here. No, it was clear over here. Oh. I definitely remember it being clear over here because that was the rage. That was oh look, it's Coke, but without the cokey color. Ah, oh. but that was only over here for a couple of years. It was while I was at college and. Every now and again, they'll go down to the canteen and grab a, a can there. And I think I was the only person buying it because everyone was like, oh, no, it tastes different. It's rubbish. <laughs> I think it's quite cool. You can see through it. It's brilliant. Well, that's about the timing for when there was a, a rage here, like uh, late 90s, I guess. Hmm. But 
came and went. Yeah, maybe we should start a campaign and bring back Tab Cola. <laughs> Don't think it'd get very far. It'd be like me no. voting and you going, yeah, he's voted, I'm not. Okay, bye-bye. It's one of those things I think it's gone for a reason, so... You yeah. know, there are, there are things that people stand up and shout for, and then it eventually comes to light why why things are the way they are. Possibly, yes. So, uh, you know, we... Well, before we get into uh, too much... As far as I know, there have been no natural disasters here. No birds falling out of the sky or fish jumping out of the water. <laughs> Anything eventful happening over on your side of the ocean? Nothing like that to report of yet. Nothing on the news. Any, apart from me hurting my coccyx. But that's around about it. Uh, no... Yes, I saw you had some spelling issues with oh, coccyx. That was bad. I, that's because see... you refused to use a more familiar term. You had to use coccyx. I, I didn't even spell it correctly. That's a problem with me. I'm such a dick sometimes. I, I've i hurt myself in my coccyx area. I I don't know how. I think it's... I've been given a new van by my work. And I'm driving around. It's spanking new. So no one's ever sat in this seat. So I have to mould the seat to me. And it's just not going at the moment. And I've had it two weeks now, I think. Mm-hmm. And ever since I've had the van, I've been having... Like, a real bad pain and every time I stand up in the afternoon it just kills it really hurts and so I thought I'd share this pain with the world and that's what Twitter's for yeah and so I stuck it on Twitter and Facebook I've hurt my coccyx and then someone went oh it's really bad when you hurt your coccyx and spelt it right for me and I thought, oh, dick I've spelt it wrong what a knob <laughs> so I had to apologize to them and thank them at the same time yeah. I think it was Jay Goo on Twitter. Anyway, um, I did that. I apologized and said thank you. And then I had to change everything. And then it was, oh, okay, fair enough. And I Googled some images of coccyx. And, ooh, don't do that. There's some <laughs> there's some horrible pussy holes that you don't really want to see down there. And, yeah. God, I hope I don't go like that. I don't think I've broken it. I think I've just bruised that area. Either that or it's growing and I'm going to be the first man with a tail. <laughs> I might have to be the first man docked as well. <laughs> It'd be awesome to have a tail, though, wouldn't it? Uh, it depends. It seems like it'd be convenient, like having an extra arm, and you could do some things, but it would get in the way, I would think. I think the first thing I'd try and do with it is try and climb a tree and hang from a branch. Because I think that's... That has to be the first first thing people do. Well, on on a monkey, you know, with where their tail do they sit on their tail or is it higher up? Is that when they sit down, it's it's not no it drags. at ground level. I, you know what I mean? I think I do. I don't, I don't think they actually sit on their tail because that would hurt. Like if it when a dog sits, the the tail is actually more kind of on its back than on its butt. So yeah, it doesn't sit. On the tail. I'm, gonna, no. I'm assuming a monkey is sort of the same, kind of lower lower back. You might get a dirty tail. but Just that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you could stick it through your legs and go, look at me, guys. But yeah, it's, it, it, that's your tail. Okay, fine. But you'd be tapping people. Do you reckon you could actually control it? You could maybe teach it to pick up a cup. I don't know. That'd be so awesome, though, because you could be typing and then have your tail swing around pick your cup up and you could drink while you're typing. I, 
I have trouble typing anyway, so it might not be the best idea. But <laughs> Oops, spilled something. <laughs> uh, I want a tail now. I hope that he's grown. I really do. I'm sure it'll take a while. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. By my 45th birthday, I might just have a full eight inches. <laughs> I just have that weird pouch in the back of my trousers. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been sticking oh, socks no, down your tail? Oh, no, it's a tail. Trousers? Don't worry. It's, it's just a tail. It's yeah, coming along. It's just my tail. <laughs> but there there comes a point where you have to cut a hole in your jeans to accommodate yeah. the tail. Otherwise, people just look at this big bulge around your ass. And, okay, have you Wait, had your bum Is it going to be fleshy or is it going to have like a little bit of... Like a tail usually has hair. It'll be like my arm, I think. Nice. So it'll be fleshy slightly hairy at the top and underneath smooth <laughs> and then just it, it won't have like a, a lion's bobble on the end of it in the end no it won't have that how would i pick my cup up with that that's right i'd have to pluck it <laughs> all right if you could have either extra arms or extra legs or a tail what would you have then i guess extra arms as long as it's symmetric like if they were like uh, below the arms I have now. So you'd rather have four arms and three arms. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, I suppose it would look a bit weird. You'd look weird anyway with four arms, but three arms would just be like, yeah, you only do yeah. one extra arm. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it'd be the left one as well. Are you right-handed? Yes, I. Am. Yeah, you'd probably grow an extra left one as well. <laughs> I can't do anything with this. Then you force yourself to be left-handed. It probably just gets in the way, though, because you, you, you know, range of motion. Everyone's had like a, a jacket or a sweater or something on, and it's like, oh, it just can't move. It's it's all bunched up underneath. Imagine having another pair of arms. And where would you underneath. put? You wouldn't be able to put your hand in the pockets as well, would you? Because you'd find your other hand in there. Yeah, oh, that'd have, be bizarre. You could go front pocket, back pocket. Oh, that look weird. Even though like, a man with four arms wouldn't look weird anyway. <laughs> exactly. Go on, sorry. I've just digressed on everything. Sorry. That's all right. All things to think about and luckily stuff that will never happen. I want a tail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have uh, I have some things that I've kind of been keeping off to the side here, but I've made a recent discovery that I think it's time to kind of address this. And... Uh, yeah, there, were, there was, I guess, around the turn of the of the new year, start of the new year, some list produced by NASA where they went through and they, they made a list of the most realistic and most unrealistic science fiction movies. And, you know, we can go through the list in a, in a minute. And I'm sure there'll be some things that surprise you. But the number one most implausible, most absurd, most unrealistic science fiction movie of all time is the movie 2012. Really? Yes. 2012. According to the Australian the newspaper, the whole impetus between forming this list was that NASA has received so many questions based on the misinformation in the film 2012 that they actually have created a website specifically addressing 2012 and setting the record straight, and we'll take a look at that in a few minutes. Okay. I had 2010 pop in my head when you said 2012. No, I would 
you know, we could talk about that in a minute too, but I would have thought at the time that seemed pretty realistic because it's not a very fun science fiction movie. No. But uh, Donald Yeomans, head of NASA's near-Earth asteroid rendezvous mission, says, The filmmakers took advantage of public worries about the so-called end of the world as apparently predicted by the Mayans of Central America, whose calendar ends on December 21st, 2012. This agency is getting so many questions from people terrified that the world is going to end in 2012 that we've had to put up a special website to challenge the myths. We've never had to do this before. Cool. Now, NASA has famously given input to several science fiction films, including Armageddon, and now they regret having done so. This Mr. Yeomans himself even quit a job working for Hollywood as a consultant because of how many things just get distorted. Yeah, I suppose there's a situation where they they helped on uh, Armageddon and said, okay, right, this might happen. We might find an asteroid this way. It'll look in this sort of situation. We we would present it to our team this way. And then all of a sudden they go, right, okay, we're sending miners up there. Why do we tell them this crap? Just let them do what they want to do. They're going to do it anyway, so... Is there any Bruce Willis out there? Why the hell? Well, uh, let me give you the list. And uh, these are the the seven worst science fiction movies as voted by NASA in terms of realism. Okay. Uh, a 2004 movie called What the Fuck Do We Know, which I've never heard of that film. <laughs> but I actually want to look it up now. I want to find out more about it. So uh, maybe we should cue that up. That sounds more like a documentary. What the bleep do we know is what the uh, search engine is suggesting here. What the bleep do we know is a film with Marley Matlin. She was the lead. Isn't she? I, for some reason, I think she's uh, mute and deaf. Really? Let's see. It's a documentary. It's a story. It's mind-blowing special effects. This film plunges you into a world where quantum uncertainty is demonstrated, where neurological processes and perceptual shifts are engaged and lived by its protagonist, where everything is alive and reality is changed by every thought. It came out in 2004, made a total of $10 million. I've never heard of it at all. I haven't either. So... Made Not a total of $10 million? Yes. That's rubbish. Yeah, it's not very impressive. There's links to trailers and things like that, and we'll we'll put some uh, stuff up there for people to look into if they're curious, but obviously not a big, <laughs> not a big movie. No. Uh, number six on the list is the Arnold Schwarzenegger film The Sixth Day. In the near future, cloning is now technically advanced, but human cloning is illegal. Adam Gibson returns home from working with his friend Hank Morgan, only to find a clone of himself with his family. Before he has a chance to find out the truth, he is attacked by a group who want him dead. Adam must escape and find out the truth from the creator of the clones. Adam knows for sure you couldn't have been cloned, but he isn't ready for what he's about to hear. So... If that's, if you was cloned, would you know that you've been cloned? That's actually a famous like um, glitch in the Spider-Man comic book series. Is it? Spider-Man was cloned, and uh, as always happens, the clone grew to full Spider-Man size <laughs> instantly within a week. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there was this period of time. 
early 80s, late 70s, I think it was in the comics, where this clone existed. And basically, uh, Spider-Man fights this clone. Then the clone, the clone really is Spider-Man's mind and all. So he becomes a good guy, too. He ends up be adopting the name Ben Riley. Then over the years, like this clone of Spider-Man has come and gone and come and gone. You thought it was dead. It's been reincarnated. It's all this stuff. It actually took Spider-Man's place for a while. Well, <laughs> was it a good Spider-Man um, then? He he was good. It's if you search the Clone Saga for Spider-Man, you get like a whole whole recounting of it. I can't do it justice, but it's yeah. it's a much hated bit of uh, continuity discontinuity. You know that. Oh, so wait, so that wasn't even the real Spider-Man who was part of these famous bits of Spider-Man lore. Uh, I believe at one point they said that it was actually Spider-Man's clone who went and acquired the black Spider-Man suit. And oh, God. They had him convinced at one point that he, that Peter Parker was the clone. So it just went back and forth. We, we've we mentioned a couple of uh, comic book sites, uh, Comic Vine, BamKapow.com. If you're just searching for Spider-Man, the clone saga will give anyone like a, a full accounting of it. Yeah. But uh, in, in that version... Yeah, it was uh, the clone didn't know he was a clone. They really messed with Peter Parker's head and had him thinking that that he was the the clone. I I haven't got any clue at all, but I'm wondering if as you change and as you uh, learn and live and live your life, would that genetically alter your DNA? So when that DNA is cloned over, then you might maybe not memories, but have inklings of other stuff that you've done in previous life. Like, would, if I was cloned now, would I have the scar that I've got on my arm? Would that come on to the clone, or would it be like a, a perfect version of me? I would think that's not a genetic thing, so I would think it would not be there. No. And I would think also that uh, it just the fact that you're cloned based on something at the moment, you're not going to be the same a year later. You'd be exposed to new toxins in the environment and mm. radiation. and <laughs> So we can always tell what one's a good one and what one's a bad one by the uh, the scar on my arm. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number uh, five on the list of the worst science fiction movies ever is Chain Reaction, starring Keanu Reeves and Morgan Freeman. See, these movies... That last one with Arnie and this one, I, I recognize them. I can't remember if I've seen them or not. Eddie Kasalovich, an undergraduate student at the University of Chicago, works as a technician for the scientific team that discovers an alternative, low-cost, pollution-free fuel source. When one of the chief scientists is murdered and an invention stolen, Eddie and the physicist Lily Sinclair are framed for it and have to flee for their lives. You know, now, like, not on this list conspicuously absent are weird science and uh there's like a val kilmer movie where he's like some college nerd working for the government short circuits not on here but uh so seven six and five were what the bleep do we know the sixth day chain reaction number four is volcano (laughs) which i think was a tommy lee jones movie yeah if i remember right number three is armageddon Number two is The Core. I love that film. I know I shouldn't, but I really do. And number one was 2012. 
Now, interestingly, the the seven most realistic movies. You know, it's, it's it, there's some some old movies in here. Number seven on the list is Jurassic Park. Okay. What do you think about that? That. I think they're. They're not saying it's a good film. They're saying it's it's realistic science. I think the technique for grabbing the DNA is possibly realistic. Actually doing it is non-viable. Well, I, I do remember there were bits of how they had to substitute like a frog DNA for missing pieces and yeah. and just the fact that things went wrong. And I think if you also take out Jurassic Park 2 and 3, mm. just focus on that that idea. Even just socially, I could picture how some egotistical businessman thinks he can do that. Well, think about this. Um, I'm no scientist, you may have gathered, but if you get a mosquito from dinosaur times and wrap it in the uh, the sap from a tree and let it sit there, it goes rock hard, and then they, they drilled into the, the mosquito and then took out the DNA from the, the blood that it had actually uh, taken out of the dinosaur, yeah? Mm-hmm, yeah. The, the actual mosquito isn't actually frozen there. So it can still break down inside the ember, surely. So all you're really left with is an imprint of what the mosquito would have looked like. Maybe the outer shell of the mosquito. Um, but it, its internal organs, all the blood and all the brains and all the, all the gunky stuff that no one likes to touch would have broken down, surely. I don't know, though, because on that TV show Fringe... Amber is what they encase uh, spots where the universe is degenerating or like where they want to preserve preserve things in a current state, mm-hmm. including humans. Like someone who happens to be in a spot where the universe is falling apart, they just – this giant um, cloud of gas that hardens into amber is thrown like a, like a grenade almost and so – it's like, uh, it's like well, gluing something shut, basically. Yeah. And the idea with Amber always seems to be that it preserves something. And and even I've, I've seen in the museum, especially right after Jurassic Park, there were a lot of uh, examples of things in Amber, mm. Amber fossils. I suppose it's uh, not exposed to any of the elements, so is it? So it's not actually going to change in there. Yeah. So what I've I, said I guess, is just guff. Never mind. It, well, no, obviously they're, they're not making dinosaurs, so you're right, they can't do it. Mm. But at the same time, it it, I, it must have some some sense of if everything was right, it could possibly work. Yeah, do you reckon, they, do you reckon, they've, do you reckon they've tried? I'm sure someone's tried. Ooh, that'd be so cool. I'd go to a... a a zoo with just one dinosaur. It doesn't have to have like a big forest full of dinosaurs. Just one would be wicked. I bet there's there's people trying to like, you know, mate uh, a crocodile with a snake to make a snakeodile for their <laughs> army or their zoo or circus and stuff, I'm sure. Well, someone, someone, some scientist somewhere is trying to be the one. Well, funny enough, I heard on the radio last night that there's a guy who's got um, woolly mammoth sperm and he's trying to impregnate a 
Trust me, it's woolly mammoth sperm. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just keep it in my refrigerator. Yeah, just pulled it off the shelf. But he's trying to impregnate an elephant and then... I have heard that. Get the uh, offspring of that elephant and then impregnate that with another elephant and then try and bleed out the elephant side of the DNA and just have woolly mammoths. It'll take uh, many lifetimes to do it because elephants, they grow quite big and old as well, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. I have heard that somewhere. That's, you know, someone was trying to mix uh, a DNA sample of, of woolly mammoth with elephant. Yeah, I've got no problem with people mucking around with stuff like that only if it's for a good cause like for like stem cell research and finding cures for cancer and i don't know maybe maybe breeding parts i don't know like putting a an, an arm or an ear on a mouse it's yeah. so cool to see a, a mouse walking around with a human ear just <laughs> walking around there <laughs> not allowed out in public yeah the little mouse would be stuck in the cage forever. <laughs> With a big earbud in it. <laughs> Dragging around an iPod behind him. All right. Number six on the list is an old film from uh, the 1950s called The Thing from Another World. Okay. It starred uh, Margaret Sheridan, Kenneth Toby. I don't see any other famous people in it. Uh, the storyline is a scientist at an Arctic research station discovers a sci- spacecraft buried in the ice. Upon closer examination, they discover the frozen pilot. All hell breaks loose when they take him back to their station, and he's accidentally thawed out. <laughs> now, that surprises me. That, I mean, that's like a suspended animation premise, which there's a million science fiction movies like that. You know. Oh, there's uh, tons of them. Mega shark so, versus giant octopus thingamajiggy. Yeah. So uh, there must be something about the actual plot and the methods or something that made them decide that this was particularly realistic. Maybe maybe the fact that it was the 1950s kept it simple. You know, they weren't getting into their, oh, we spliced his DNA and, and used our uh, blood warming machine and stuff at yeah, do you reckon this is young people from NASA or old people from NASA? Or when I say that, I mean like old school people. So they're going to look on the the older movies as well. That's more realistic than what they're doing in Armageddon or Twenty Twelve. That's just special effects overboard. That is, that's ridiculous. I, I think I think you may be right, and I think it may be that the special effects is where it loses its credibility. Like we were talking before, just sometimes people just don't. You keep it simple. You leave it to your imagination, like a horror movie. Even the older horror movies, you didn't really see the blood and the guts, and you know, you were startled, you were scared. Someone went in a room and didn't come out, and it was left to your imagination what went on in that room. But then now they show you the head ripped off and the headless body crawling across the floor, and you know it's gross and it's realistic looking, but physically impossible. Yeah. And so, in doing that, these you know banking starships and you know people spacewalking and stuff there that's where they're compromising things yeah if by the way, if the number one on this list is a star trek movie i'm I'm gonna have to hang up on you no, okay, good, 
Actually, uh, number five on the list is a 1920s movie, Woman in the Moon, which I'm going to have to look more into later today. Uh, number four, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Not the Keanu Reeves version, but the 1950s version. Yep. Still haven't you seen that. But that's, again, there's something about that. I, I'd really have to think hard about what that was. I don't think that claimed very much in terms of science fiction. They didn't say what the aliens could do. It was just, there's this alien who we don't understand who can do things and we don't know how. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is a 1920s movie called Metropolis. Number two is the Jodie Foster movie Contact. Oh, wicked. That surprised me. I thought that was kind of implausible. And number one is the movie Gattaca. Oh, what's that about? I love Contact. I love that movie. Gattaca is an Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman film. Oh, I'm trying In to the not-too-distant future. Oh, that's the Mystery Science Theater 3000 start. In the not-too-distant future, a less-than-perfect man wants to travel the stars. Society has categorized Vincent Freeman as... Less than suitable given his genetic makeup, and he has become one of the underclass of humans that are only useful for menial jobs. To move ahead, he assumes the identity of Jerome Morrow, a perfect genetic specimen who is a paraplegic as a result of a car accident. And then Vincent learns to deceive the DNA and urine sample testing, and he gets to go on the space mission. Hello there, this is Tim from the Appetites Podcast, and you're listening to An Apotheosis of a Bombast. So what I find with this list is that the uh, seven most realistic, except for Jurassic Park, really seem to be making very few claims about <laughs> the future and science. It's it's uh, these older movies, which no lasers, no crazy special effects. Uh, Contact is the one that surprises me. Why is that, though? Well, maybe I'm not remembering the whole film very well but if i remember correctly it's there's a um a guy like similar to the guy who owns uh virgin airways richard branson yes yep there's a gentleman similar to him and and he's this really wealthy guy and he basically buys access to this transmission that they've received and jody foster is part of the scientific team that helps figure out that that message is a set of instructions to build a device Yep. And then there's all the political drama of should they build a device? What if it's a weapon? Maybe it's a tr- communication thing back and forth. And I, I guess the more I think about it, so that I, spoiler alert, they build the device. And what happens when they actually use the device is pretty anticlimactic. And maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's the part for me. What, what happens, and you never really know if it's real or not. Yeah, see, with me, I thought what they did was very, very clever. They send her through a wormhole, don't they? And yet, I think the whole trip takes eight ha- eight hours for her, and yet it's less than a second for us on Earth. Well, that's the thing. Like she, That's her experience, mm. and people don't really believe her. And doesn't she sees her dad or something, right? Yeah, that's what got me. That's where I f- totally fell out of this movie, is because they... The alien race needed to show her a familiar face so that right. they, that she'd believe them, that she'd actually been there. 
And so they decided to take the form of her dad. And all the way through this movie, I was like, oh, wicked, we're going to see aliens, and oh, it's yeah. going to be so good. It, it was really good up until that point, and then it's her dad. Oh, really? Well, and that makes you wonder whether it was real or not, too. Because it's her dad, it makes you question, well, did she just hallucinate? Well, they said towards the end of the movie, they actually recorded eight hours of static on her camera. Yeah, I remember that. Which is what I liked about it. It's, oh, it's so good, and yeah. You know, don't tell the people and it was just oh it's her dad really all that way god's sake okay see now i i spent a lot of time looking for more information about the um the creation of the list itself because there's a bunch of articles if you search for for nasa's most absurd movies or nasa hates 2012 or something like that there, there's a whole bunch of links and they they all link to each other but nothing really says what the criteria was. And we're kind of speculating. I mean, it, it does say it's the most realistic, but contact has a lot of realism in how people react mm-hmm. to this prospect. You know, there's the skeptics, the politicians, the the people loyal to Jodie Foster. And that's one of those movies that I would remember fondly and be like, oh, yeah, that's on, but never actually take the time to go and watch it again, I don't think. That's fair enough. Yeah, I think it's maybe Nasserah thinking from that perspective where, well, um, the church would be an uproar. And no, you can't go to space. And Yeah. It, it's also um, from the point of they actually built two. Now, I listened to the Astron- Astronomy podcast, I think it is, mm-hmm. and... They actually said that they uh, NASA built two Hubble Space Telescopes, but they only launched one. NASA also built two of the rovers that went to Mars, but they they always build one and then a spare. And mm-hmm. with the Mars, they actually just decided, oh, sorry, let's send two up there, and that that's yeah. why we've got two rovers up there now. But there is a, um, or apparently a Hubble Space Telescope sitting in NASA's top drawer somewhere so from that perspective maybe they're thinking well you know we probably would build two we need the funding for one why not build two so no well if you're going to build something that big mm-hmm. you've never built anything like that before in your entire life so you might as well just turn around and say yes it is going to cost us 50 billion even if it costs you 25 billion and then you can build two because we've never built anything like that before ever yeah. and probably never will again so NASA probably would get away with that. There's just so many people who would protest and, well, even what's the, the, um, collide, super collider. The people are, we don't want you to do the test because you're going to create a black hole and destroy the world. And oh, the hate. That was kind of done quietly. Like nobody really cared, but if it was an alien kind of a thing, it'd be a lot more press and yeah, of course it would be countries demanding it be in their location. And yeah, they would. I didn't even think about that. But then you'd need a, a huge country. You couldn't put it in the Isle of Wight, I don't think. It would just right. run off the edge into the sea. <laughs> You'll do it on some neutral site. Splash. There's do it a... on Easter Island. <laughs> 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 well, there was a link referred to in that article. Let me send it to you real quick here. So this all started because NASA has gotten too many calls about the movie 2012 and and the supposed destruction of the earth 
And so they have a, um, a website. It's not very long. It has basically nine questions and answers, like a like a FAQ for for any typical website. Yep. So we will take a, a minute or two here and go through. I can actually, uh, I guess I can read it. Yeah, go for it. Let's see. All right, 2012, beginning of the end or why the world won't end. Remember the Y2K scare? It came and went without much of a whimper because of adequate planning and analysis of the situation. Impressive movie special effects aside, December 21, 2012 won't be the end of the world as we know. It will, however, be another winter solstice. Much like Y2K, 2012 has been analyzed and the science of the end of the Earth thoroughly studied. Contrary to some of the common beliefs out there, the science behind the end of the world quickly unravels when pinned down to the 2012 timeline. Below, NASA scientists answer several questions that were frequently asked regarding 2012. Question 1. Are there any threats to the Earth in 2012? Many internet websites say the world will end in December 2012. Nothing bad will happen to the Earth in, in 2012. <laughs> I'm laughing because the, you could, I could just picture like this exasperated tone of voice because I've read the list already. Yeah. And it's like the question, uh, is it time for lunch yet? No, we'll be having lunch later. <laughs> so is it time for lunch yet? No, we'll be having lunch after three. So uh, can we have lunch now? No. Like, it's that same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing bad will happen to the Earth in 2012. Our planet has been getting along just fine for more than 4 billion years. Incredible scientists worldwide know of no threat associated with 2012. I think you should put a bit more of a, a drunk and fed up and sarcastic accent on the next right. answer. <laughs> well, this, this is slightly different here. Um, what is the origin of the prediction that the world will end in 2012? The story started with claims that Nibiru, a supposed planet discovered by the Sumerians, is headed toward Earth. This catastrophe was initially predicted for May 2003, but when that didn't happen, the doomsday date was moved forward to December 2012. Then these two fables were linked to the end of one of the cycles in the ancient Mayan calendar at the winter solstice in 2012, hence the predicted doomsday date of December 21, 2012. I love that, how it's like, yeah, it was supposed to happen in May and didn't, so... So he shifted it forward, and then I when... I vaguely remember that from May 2003. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I do or not. Question three. Does the Mayan calendar end in December 2012? <laughs> now here comes the snarkiness. Just as the calendar you have in your kitchen wall does not cease to exist after December 31st, the Mayan calendar does not cease to exist on December 21, 2012. This date is the end of the Mayan long count period, but then just as your calendar begins again, another calendar begins for the Mayans. Question four. Could a phenomena occur where the planets align in a way that impacts the Earth? There are no planetary alignments in the next few decades. The Earth will not cross the galactic plane in 2012, and even if those alignments were to occur, the effects on the Earth would be negligible. Each December, the Earth and Sun align with the approximate center of the Milky Way galaxy, but this is an annual event of no consequence. That's pretty cool, though. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's awesome. Question five. Is there a planet or brown dwarf called Nibiru or Planet X or Eris that is approaching the Earth and threatening our planet with worldwide destruction? 
Nibiru and other stories about wayward planets are an internet hoax. There is no factual basis for these claims. If Nibiru or Planet X were real and headed for an encounter with Earth in 2012, astronomers would have been tracking it for at least the past decade. It would be visible now to the naked eye. Obviously, it does not exist. Eris is real, but it is a dwarf planet similar to Pluto, and it will remain outside. It will remain in the outer solar system. The closest it can come to Earth is about four billion miles. Four billion miles. See, we're ninety-three million miles away from the sun at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite a way away. You know, I I understand that a lot of these questions are definitely like not true and they're right to say like no that's not gonna happen no that's not gonna happen but to start to say that things wouldn't happen um, i remember there's a couple of asteroids that they kind of noticed with just a few months to go or like kind of near earth objects yeah we had a couple of near misses didn't we yeah and if one of those were to uh you know collide with another item and have its trajectory deviated slightly like there's that whole asteroid belt out there and I, I picture Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back all the time where, you know, the rocks are floating, but they bang into each other and they kind of pinball around. Yeah, I've – I always imagine an asteroid belt being like that. But what, from what I've heard and what I've read, if you go into the asteroid belt, you, you won't see two rocks together. It's, it's just it's stable. That, it's just that thin. Yeah. It really is. There, there are – there is a band of rocks, but it's – it's not like a big cluster that you have to get through. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to send out like Voyager 1, Voyager 2 straight through, would they? I don't know. I, uh, yeah, you're right. It definitely. I shouldn't say I don't know. But I I always pictured, too, that it's kind of um, – like there is kind of a galactic plane. I picture it two-dimensionally and like the planets are all relatively – in a, all their orbits are kind of in a flat plane, aren't they? So yeah, you could go roughly. up – and miss all the planets, <laughs> or you could go left and pass six planets on your way out the yeah out the door. That's you know it's one of those things where the dismissive tone of this it starts to make me think. Well, you know, yeah, that person's crazy, but there are things just because you you haven't seen the planet yet. I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if all of a sudden they were like, oh, we just discovered something, and we have ten months till it hits us. Because mm. don't they always say that you know like. Well, I, I don't know. It was after Armageddon and that uh, and Deep Impact. There was a big push to have near Earth object monitoring, and it panicked people, didn't it? Yeah. And there, a lot of people sat around going, "Why haven't we got this technology? We need it because you know this might happen." Well, yeah, it might happen, and it probably will happen. And it's happened before. It happened again. It's just one. It's a cycle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, happen. well, I'll, I'll jump ahead to the next question because it's, is the Earth in danger of being hit by a meteor in 2012? That's what we were just wondering. The Earth has always been subject to impacts by comets and asteroids, although big hits are very rare. The last big impact was 65 million years ago, and that led to the extinction of the dinosaurs. Today, NASA astronomers are carrying out a survey called the Space Guard Survey to find any large near-Earth asteroids long before they hit. We've already determined that there are no threatening asteroids as large as the one that killed the dinosaurs. All this work is done openly with discoveries posted every day on the NASA NEO program office website. You can see for yourself that nothing is predicted to hit in 2012. 
Good. I'm glad that there's nothing predicted to hit. What is the polar shift theory? Is it true that the Earth's crust does a 180-degree rotation about the core in a matter of days, if not hours? A reversal in the rotation of the Earth is impossible. There are slow movements of the continents. For example, Antarctica was near the equator hundreds of millions of years ago. But that is irrelevant to claims of reversal of the rotational poles. However, many of the disaster websites pull a bait and shift to fool people. They claim a relationship between the rotation and the magnetic polarity of the Earth, which does change irregularly. With a magnetic reversal taking place every 400,000 years on average. As far as we know, such a magnetic reversal does not cause any harm to life on Earth. A magnetic reversal is very unlikely to happen in the next few millennia anyway. <laughs> now you, you start to get the final two questions. How do NASA scientists feel about claims of a pending doomsday? It just kind of you know, dismiss the whole thing. You know, there's no evidence. Everything's coming from books and movies. We cannot change that simple fact, but there's no credible evidence for it. Mm -hmm. And then the one thing that I probably would be most inclined to think would happen, but not disaster movie style, is the solar flare. Okay. You ever hear about how they say that'll knock out the electricity for, for yeah. Like, supposedly it will knock out satellites and and cause all kinds of headaches. I've I've heard about it and isn't knowing, you know, that wonderful Nicolas Cage movie, which was really, really good. Um, that's based on a solar flare event as well. I don't know. I, I picture that logo. I thought it was that he had found like a book of prophecies kind of thing, but Okay, right. I'm gonna spoil this one because right, it is it's rubbish, but it's I'm never watching. <laughs> You're never ahead. watching. Okay, fair enough. Well, if the ladies and gentlemen want to fast forward, then do it. Um, knowing this, there's a girl who can hear voices in her head, little whispers, and she's in class, and they're all putting this stuff into a time capsule in their class. Uh, she's writing down numbers, just random numbers she can hear in her voice. Her numbers go into the time capsule. Fifty years later, they dig up the time capsule, and Nicolas Cage's son is given this piece of paper with all the numbers on it. He sits around going, oh, and looking at the numbers, that doesn't mean anything. I think he puts a beer or a coffee on, on the paper and it rings a certain set of numbers. And he goes, oh, that's funny, isn't it? He looks at, types this into Google and then it's got the numbers of a date of a major disaster in the world in the last 50 or 100 years. Mm -hmm. Also, how many people were killed and where whereabouts on the planet it would take place and it does it for 9-11 it does it for other things uh the um the bomb in where was we talking about last week uh i don't remember oklahoma yes yes yeah, oklahoma, uh, yeah. oklahoma city yeah yeah uh and it's got all that and then they they run through lots of things and one of his best mates is turns out to be a, a scientist on the sun or something it's really tenuous, and it turns out he's worked out, oh, it's a solar flare, and then aliens come down, take his kid, put him on another planet, and everyone else is burned to a crisp. Real feel-good movie. I don't think I'll be watching that. <laughs> it's good if you know it's cheesy aliens. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big Nicolas Cage fan lately. I I find him a little, little bit unsufferable lately. Yeah, same here, but... It was a really good film up until the point where his kids got taken up onto the um, 
onto the spaceship. It was really it was really creepy as well. Yeah. And then once that happened, it was like, oh, rubbish, aliens again, boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, NASA says uh, solar activity has a regular cycle, which peaks every 11 years. Near these activity peaks, solar flares can cause some interruption of satellite communications, although engineers are learning how to build electronics that are protected against most solar storms. There is no special risk associated with 2012. The next solar maximum will occur in the 2012-2014 time frame and is predicted to be an average solar cycle, no different than the previous cycles throughout history. I think this has been brought up because isn't there... Um, it says that we go through 11 years of uh, the solar cycle and I think we just went through the cycle which has been the quietest on record. It, there's hardly any sunspots at all. Normally the sun will have loads of sunspots and then it over the 11 years it'll lose the sunspots and then regain them. And we've just been going through a lull at the moment. I, I can picture that. And I, I just think when they say, well, it's never really been a problem in the past, so we'll be fine. We haven't been so dependent on technology as we are now. No, you know, that's in the 1950s, true. if the satellites got knocked out, <laughs> life went on. But you know, now if all the cell phone satellites are out and internet things are down, then you know, commerce stops and all kinds of problems ensue. Yeah, you'd have Spanish truck drivers driving over to America because their sat nav told them to. <laughs> yeah, it said go north. It never told me to change, get off at the exit. <laughs> Well, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Kind of a, I know there's a lot of other stuff going on, little bits and pieces that we could probably uh, throw into a show, but I thought this was this was kind of a theme of sorts. Now, this is cool, because over the next two years, there's going to be tons of this. Absolutely tons of it. That's why they brought the film out, so they could actually make some money. Oh, yeah. why, why would you want to bring a film out of 2012 if it doesn't actually happen? Yeah. Now, this would have happened. We promised you. Oh, okay. Yeah, like that Y2K that. movie that no one ever made. Yeah, <laughs> 2001, exactly. yeah. Yeah, but it's nice to talk about it and give everyone the heads up so they can build their bunkers ready for it. Yeah, well, that's definitely the moral of today's show is it's okay to make plans for December 22, 2012. 22? <laughs> because the 21st is the uh, the day, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's it's okay to make plans for 2012. So we'll put the, the links up. We'll put them in the show notes. We'll release them on Facebook around the time of the uh, episode release. Basically, there's a couple of articles about the list. So we'll, I'll just put one that has the actual list itself and then the the NASA FAQ that we were just talking about. Awesome. So I don't know. I, you know, I was trying to think if there were other movies that I consider very realistic science fiction. But it, it's hard for me to separate cool hopeful I could see that versus that's scientifically accurate and and I I really think it comes down to just the less you claim <laughs> the safer you are yeah see one thing that really bugged me with the Armageddon was them launching two uh, shuttles at the, exactly the same time mm -hmm. I, I know they've got a number of pads there but I just don't see them doing it at the same time, on the same countdown, oh, you know, guys, go on then, up you go, at the same time. There's, 
how big's the perimeter that you have to put out for when the shuttle goes up? It's miles, isn't it? Yeah. And yet they yeah, put it would two have to be from rockets here. One from Russia and one from the United States, I think you'd have to do. I don't think yeah. you could do... Well, I don't know, because you can launch missiles from neighboring uh, ships. That I'm sure, like, safety-wise, you'd probably like to have a buffer zone for wake turbulence and stuff, but if the world was going to end... Well, let's take some chances. <laughs> yeah, but if you're launching all your your um, deep core drillers into yeah. two pods at the same time and they bounce off each other, oh, then yeah. you're going to be pretty pissed. Everyone's going to be sitting around going, oh, balls, we're screwed. There's our best deep core drillers. We're all dead now. Never mind. There's the, the comedy late night show here called The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And he had on the um, astrophysicist who's one of the guys who helps make Pluto not a planet anymore. He's, oh, right. Did he, he was get a big booed deal. as he came on? No, because he's, he's like a he's a cool scientist. But he And he's from New York, and he uh, I don't think he still does, but he used to be like the head of the, the big planetarium here. But he was, they were talking about missions to Mars, and he was talking about a plausibility issue of um, you go to Mars, but you can't just say, "Hey, let's go to Mars tomorrow," <laughs> because you have to wait till the planets align to be the shortest possible uh, distance. Yep. Because I mean, it's one thing to say, "Oh, I don't mind going a little bit farther," but resources-wise, you know, you got to make. Th- and then the trip home, the same thing. Like if, I think he said, they'd have to be there for uh, like a year and a half before the planets would align again. To make it a practical trip home, and you know, just little things like that too. Like, um... aren't there people at the moment sitting in a capsule, wondering how? Uh, well, testing to see how long, or testing to see how well people get along over the the course of the journey to get to Mars. I believe there were. I thought we might have talked about it once somewhere somewhere in Europe. I thought it was. I can't remember now. Or Russia, there, but there was. I think it was like a second attempt. They had tried once. And, and they all killed themselves. Reason, well, no, they had to... There was exposure to the outside world. Oh. In some way. Whether... Uh, I don't know if someone got pregnant or whatever. For whatever it was, like they had to abort <laughs> the first experiment. That's and they were trying great. again. And And even that, it was being criticized in the sense that yeah, it's all well and good to simulate like being isolated. So you lock them. In, you have like a little capsule inside a <laughs> storage locker somewhere in the mountains. Mm. But those people still know that if there's a problem, you're going to come and get them. Yeah. And so that makes it different than being, you know, 90 million miles from Earth. Where if there's a problem, you know that no one is going to come and get you. How did the woman... I know it's basic physics, but how did the woman know that she was pregnant? Maybe she missed a period or something, but... I don't know. That might not have been it. But that, there was some sort of outside factor that compromised the first first attempt. That's brilliant. Locking kind people like up. Biodome. All your animal instincts just take control. <laughs> Sorry, we have to start again. She's pregnant. She fell pregnant. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> but no, I'm almost positive we talked about something like that before, because we were talking about the biodome experiment once and how that failed, like that they had tried to do that 
whatever it was supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a self-sufficient environment. And again, like they, they oops, we <laughs> didn't realize that the water is recirculating or that the, you know, it's not entirely isolated from the outside world. So mm. whatever it is. And, and it made me think of that Biodome movie with Polly Shore. Whenever you say Biodome, I always think of the, um, the Black Hole movie with the tiny, cute little robots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're awesome, them little ro- I always wanted one of them. That I mashed up one. Yeah. <laughs> and the bad guy robots were kind of cool, too. Yeah, and it all looked pretty good, especially with that big ball of fire that was it, a meteorite rolling down that channel and they're running across the bridge and one fo- person falls over oh no pick her up quickly quickly <laughs> yeah that was around the era when action figures were just coming out so you wanted to have as many things as you could have to go with your to battle your si- uh, star bleh, to battle your star wars guys mm-hmm. they just had to be the right size the worst was getting someone who was like um three inches taller like i, I remember the clash of the titans action figures from the first movie all they, right. they were awesome. They were the right size and everything. But then they made a set of DC superheroes. Gee, I can't remember what the actual theme of it was. But there was, you know, the Flash, Superman and all. But they were about a centimeter or two bigger than your <laughs> Star Wars guys. So I have a, a Flash action figure. I still have him. And he just, he towers over Luke. It's like, no. <laughs> You cannot play with Luke. He must go. You go in the other box with the toys from the Misfit store. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have He-Man playing with Luke either. No. Maybe the Flash and He-Man could have a fight over who gets to play with Luke. I want to play with him. No, I do. <laughs> That's probably a good spot to end right there. <laughs> fine. You're getting a bit arsy now. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Well, uh, guys, if, if you have any thoughts on realistic movies, unrealistic movies, or, or any topics for the future, things we've talked about in the past, hit us up on the Facebook page. Send us an email at bombastpodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on the Podbean site. You can follow me on Twitter at SHC1970 or you can follow Elton at Elton McManus, all one word. Yeah. And I guess that's about it for this week. Yeah, I'm guessing that's it. That's all the the gumph and details that we have. We need letters so we can use our jingle. Please. (laughs) Send us a note. Yes, please. But don't send us a note that says, I hate the jingle. Don't play the jingle. Because then then we're in that like infinite loop of we have a letter, but it doesn't want the jingle. So we can't play the jingle that we have a letter. (laughs) And our heads might explode. We're starting to beg now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you uh, in a week. Yes. Thank you very much, guys, for sticking with us. And adios. All right. Bye. Massive incandescent gas, a gigantic nuclear flare.